So we're back from in Acapulco. We survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. Not quite as bad as people made out. Not quite as dangerous. Um, yeah, so this is the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. My name's Aaron Battle. Yeah. You yeah. can get to us, um, I prefer Twitter, BattleAZ. Yep, at Trouble Bubble. Hit us up. The website is the theparadiseparadox.com. You know, follow us on, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, ask us a question, press subscribe, press like, all that good stuff. And yeah, so we're going to tell, um, tell you all a bit about Anarcopulco, the event that we went to in Acapulco. Um, so it's an anarchist conference, but of course, when I say the word anarchist, a lot of people get these ideas in the head, like uh, a bunch of people wearing balaclavas or uh, bandanas over their faces. Uh, that's not really what we're into. We're not really into vandalism. It's um, more the cops. <laughs> yeah, the, co- the cops definitely do that stuff more than we do. Uh, so, so this is a this is a, a different kind of anarchism than what you might have heard previously. Uh, mainly, um, the people attending the event were anarcho-capitalists. So they still believe in private property. Um, they believe in respect for other people's property. They believe in peaceful means of achieving the problems. And without violence, you you can't really have government as we know it today, uh, because Taxation is reliant on the threat of violence, what, what we consider taxation today. You know, you get threatened into paying your taxes. If you don't pay this, then we're going to lock you up. As far as I know, everybody at that conference um, doesn't believe in government as a legitimate institution, at least not as we know it today. They believe government, if, if it should exist, then it should be voluntary. I've got to say I wasn't aware of all that before I said I'd go. <laughs> I, I saw the, the lineup of speakers and thought uh, Sunday they're going to cover a lot of Bitcoin. Yeah. And, you know, I want to get some, I want to get some information raw from someone that's in it. So um, I was mainly going to meet up with some guys, maybe trade a little silver. That was my main idea, but I, I didn't realize all the, the political charge that it has behind it. I mean, I, I feel the same emotions, but uh, I'll tell you what, I definitely learned a lot hmm. from quite a few individuals this last weekend. Good, good. So the organizer of the event is is Jeff Berwick, who runs the dollarvigilante.com and Anacast, the, the podcast, the, the source for anarchy on the internet. And uh, then we had we, we had speakers like uh, Luke Rutkowski of We Are Change, who's most famous for the uh, 9-11 truth documentary, Loose Change, and James Corbett of the, the Corbett Report, Dan Dix of Press for Truth, uh, people from the, the Liberty Radio Network like Ernie Hancock, Angel Clark, people talking about peaceful parenting like Dana Martin, and Roger, Roger Ver is very, very famous in the Bitcoin community. He also spoke. Unfortunately, Cody Wilson was scheduled to speak, but unfortunately he, he wasn't able to come, which is a, a little disappointment, but uh, I think we made up for it in good vibrations <laughs> yeah we're all, we're all behind him um, we're leaving the country mm. or, or you know switching over borders sometimes can can, uh, can be a little bit risky when you got like when you're in a time frame it's like yeah. you can't yeah. afford to have a slip up so uh, sometimes you can't travel yeah so Co- Cody Wilson if you haven't heard of him is one of the members of an organization called Defense Distributed and he was famous for creating the, the first uh, gun which can almost be fully printed 
with uh, a 3D printer. So it's almost all made out of plastic. There's just one piece of metal, just a nail, and you can make the, the Liberator, which is a, a gun which carries one bullet. But his current project, well, he's working, still working on Dark Wallet, uh, and a way to make Bitcoin anonymous, um, but he's also working on this this project, which um, it's a specialized form of 3D printer, which only prints one thing, which is uh, I, I believe it's a receiver for uh, for an AR-15 or, or a, some kind of rifle, and it's the only part which you can't legally purchase over the internet. Um, so it makes this uh, this device this weapon available to anybody um, because it, it's going to mean these receivers are, are so cheap that anybody can get them, anybody can find them, at least all over the US. But he had some problems uh, distributing it through um, through FedEx, apparently. They, they didn't really want anything to do with them. Uh, that was the rumor. Yeah, I, I heard there was a thousand printing machines in his shed. I don't know. Right, yeah. It's, like, uh, it's, it's cool to, um, you know, it's cool to, to follow lead, but it's it's like it's it just unsurprises mm. surprises that you don't you don't expect and i'm sure um he would have loved to have been there mm. yeah uh let's run an intro stuff that you know that kind of set my my um lights off with ideas and just future experiments mm-hmm. um we should probably talk about how we how we arrived home yeah okay uh, i'm happy to jump straight into that all right cool <laughs> yeah well um, we had a few adventures all, th- all through <laughs> all through the the journey but yeah coming home we um uh, we took a, a long bus ride from uh, Acapulco to, to Mexico City, and then from Mexico City, we, we were getting off at Guadalajara. When we were a, a little past Querétaro, Querétaro, yeah, uh, we had a little problem with, <laughs> with immigration. These, I thought these guys were ca- coming on to check our tickets, and then I saw their own, like, badges of honor. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's saying, like, a, a federal agent of, of immigration and I was like, oh, okay, this doesn't look good. I, I missed them getting on the bus. I only saw them walking towards us. And yeah. I was trying to send Kurt a mental message. Pretend you're asleep. <laughs> we don't need part of this. Right. <laughs> Knowing that neither of us had passports on us. Hmm. I mean, you know, we only traveled down the road. There's no need to carry a... Yeah, we weren't crossing any international borders. So we were like, oh, we'll just... You know, it'll be fine because I, I, I don't want to go through the hassle of having, uh, like, if I get my passport stolen, that opens up a whole range of problems for me. Uh, I don't want to talk to the Australian embassy particularly, uh, so, so um, I normally don't carry it with me. Um, but so, not, not only that, we didn't have the the FMM immigration form that apparently you're supposed to carry with you at all times. Yeah, the tourist card, which I, I had I had a look at it just now, and it doesn't seem to actually indicate that you are supposed to carry with it all times. So how how are you supposed to know that? <laughs> apparently, you're just supposed to read this read the migration the immigration department's mind on this issue. Uh, yeah, so they grilled us about that, uh, and, and the yeah, the lady's like, "Where's your passport?" And I'm like, I, "I don't have my passport." And 
And she's like, you don't have a passport. Where, where are you from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I could have handled that better in, you know, just about every respect. Wait, but um, we're about 15 hours into bus trips at this point. Yeah. Or, you know, bus trips and layover in Mexico. Yeah. On about two hours, no, less than two hours sleep, like an hour and a half sleep. <laughs> the, um, you know, see you later extravaganza that we decided to have by side the pool. Yeah, chill, chilling out until 6 a.m., chatting with people all over the world and, and you know, spreading the love and, and peace and enjoying ourselves. <laughs> Three days wasn't enough. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, we're a little rusty and we're coming home and passport issue, tourist card, visa issue. But overall, I can't say they're too bad. Like we were pretty straight up with them. Yeah, like, we were, yeah. We were cool. They they told us to get off the bus, and and all I'm thinking is, we get off the bus, they start checking my luggage, then I'm dead. So I had to make sure that was covered before even before that even happened. It's like you need to make sure that I don't know. I mean, I, I was carrying a little Acapulco dream in my in my bag, so I knew <laughs> I knew I could not get off the bus. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can full go gold, right? Ah, uh, snap. Well, uh, there's a bottle of sand. <laughs> yeah. Put around the plants. Gold, golden sand, yeah. Spreading the dream strength from Acapulco. So, Capture the energy. Yeah, yeah. so I, I thank them for, uh, for letting us know and uh, explaining that this shouldn't have happened in the first place. You know, mm. we were just in a rush and we didn't think. I mean, of course, I was using Mexican slang to say this. <laughs> So I think it came across a little cooler. Like, like they, they just accepted it and said, okay, cool. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it looked like they didn't really want to bother us too much, I guess. I mean, they didn't want to go through the, the hassle. But, I mean, they did get on the bus and they, they walked directly to us. I don't think they checked anybody else's papers. Maybe a guy in, after us. But yeah, we were like the obvious target. You with your 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 cat with the bent up rim. That's um, my A game. <laughs> Daffy Duck. It yeah. breaks the ice. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we we got home safe. Like yeah. uh, I I need yesterday to recover. Mm. I I know that I I had a whole list of errands to do with my you know just just home stuff. But um, I tell you what, I I was still just on a high. I'm still I'm pumped now. <laughs> just uh, just excited about what everyone's doing all over the world. Mm. Um, in particular, I met uh, I met a couple of guys from Poland, like um, in their in their capital. Uh, Warsaw, Warsaw. Warsaw. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the one. <laughs> um, yeah, the, these guys are given free, trying to set up free, you know, unlimited access of internet. Mm. to the people in the city just open up communication now free unlimited internet by, by well, mesh net or well, some I, other technology well I, I'm thinking um, I mean it's obviously very complicated mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much bandwidth or how wide they would be able to get it but I just I mean just be able to get internet access mm. which isn't going to be able to well I'm, I'm assuming they can't constrict it at any point like censor it so getting that kind of communication to a community today is vital so that's what these guys are doing. And, you know, there was modest dudes talking about their project. And I thought, man, this is, this is life-changing, world-changing stuff. Mm. So, you know, I'm hanging out with heroes. <laughs> like, these, yep. these are supermen amongst, you know, people. Just doing their thing, not expecting a pat on the back. But, you know, I gave them a hug. I said, you do that. 
you make that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was cool. I mean, there's a, an, another guy as well. Travis Boyd, he was talking about his project. Is, he's doing a similar thing, but he is charging. But he's, he sets up wireless ISPs, or they call them WISPs. And so these things, uh, you, you put like a kind of satellite receiver or radio directional radio receiver on the side of your house. And it, it um, connects by line of sight to a kind of mobile tower and uh, these things they cost about $80 but you can receive 100 megabits per second using it he was saying well mesh nets maybe you know they're good maybe they're fun um, for do do it yourselfers but uh, right now people need internet and and um, they're willing to pay for it uh, and this is one solution uh, so even if uh, say in in the United States where you have these monopolies, or here in Mexico, you have a monopoly in an area. Um, you, you know, here in this street, we can only get mega cable, I, I believe. Um, you can't go with any other ISP. But if you have this thing, then it opens up these world of possibilities. Like, you know, who cares about your monopoly? We'll just send, send this stuff right through the air. Yeah, he explained all that um, as, yeah, cool, uh, MeshNet, totally about the MeshNet inside mm -hmm. the community. But when that community hasn't got access to internet, you're going to need one of these, one of these to connect you to, to satellites or to a bigger hub. Like he's talking about connecting the mesh nets together, and he's building that bridge to do it. Mm. Um, these, he used the same technology to, to to ramp up the internet in the whole hotel. Yeah. I, apparently, the hotel was having internet issues. We we stayed at a different hotel, so we never really had those dramas. Yeah. But apparently, he was able to play with it add a few components and the internet just turned on. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know the details of that, but to go from no internet, having uh, you know internationals turn up and just fix the internet because you can, <laughs> is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. So uh, overall, um, what was the experience like for you? Uh, it was great. Um, I met a lot of cool people. People were, you know, willing to talk. They're just all regular people. At first, I think I was kind of apprehensive about talking to some of these guys because I thought, oh, what if they, you know, they think they're too cool for me or something. But but then later, I was like, why, you know, why did I even think that? Because uh, they're all super cool, just regular people, and they're they've all got their own projects and they're willing to talk to you about it, uh, and just. Yeah, incredibly cool. I don't think I've, I've ever been to an event with so many cool people. <laughs> it, it was an amazing vibe. Yeah. There, there was absolutely no need to, to feel anything about, um, you know, not being able to go up to someone and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, I saw you in this interview. I've seen this documentary of yours. I mean, most of the people there, they're all active participants mm. of, of this. I keep calling it this movement, but I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, you could call it the movement. Yeah, the liberty movement. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I felt the same way. I, I remember commenting to you. I said, "Oh, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be." You know, everyone's kind of <laughs> in their little groups, like you know, first day. Everyone's kind of you know part, partnering off and hanging out. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm back at another conference where I need to network. What hard work? Yeah. But we would have been there maybe 15 minutes before we found ourselves in a little group. Everyone's like throwing their ideas into a circle, a few comments, and then, yeah. you know, where are you from? What are you up to? It was just so easy to talk and everyone respected your idea. Mm. Everyone wanted to hear you out 
And then if they couldn't tell you any way to do it better, they said mad. <laughs> Keep it up. Yep. Uh, should we take a break? So just to follow up on what on what you said about about just being everything being so cool, mm. just so comfortable. Yeah. Um, I I was trying to I was on the on the bus over the smoothest run. Mm. It's perfect sun. I'm still I'm still on a high from the today. today. Yeah, 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 today it was like just a, a beautiful day coming over, and I'm thinking, how am I going to explain to these guys, you know, what this event meant to me? Mm. You know, what did I? Yeah, you know, we saw mad speakers. We got a lot of good ideas. I got a whole whole lot more uh, you know friends on various social medias it's all good but like what are you guys going to get when you guys come next year so for me it was like um i really it really made it real that what i'm doing is important Mm. like that i was like step one um everything we do we need to we need to do it with commitment and pride because every single day um an action is going to is you can you you're going to act and conform to a way that's either going to be with your beliefs and not. Now I can say personally, I wasn't a hundred percent like believing the the I guess the direction of the movement before I really felt some of these other people's stories. Right, and because when, because the first time I kind of talked about this was when that episode we recorded about two months ago. Yeah, episode three, where I was like, you know, isn't it isn't it better if if we do things voluntarily? rather than forcing people and and you just said yes and i was like well that's that's pretty much it then <laughs> yeah <laughs> you no, know? I mean, even uh, that that interview for me mm-hmm. i interviewed that podcast was almost a little bit un- it was uncomfortable yeah because i was like you know what man don't tell me anything about this stuff i'm just going to jump in and yeah. you know get me to work out my own definitions and as awkward as it was yeah i i know that changed that that changed my life yeah because now i'm more concrete on on different different ideas like you talk about um, voluntarism. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, I was like, cool, everyone does things, everyone's free, they do what they want. Yeah. Yes, but there's certain systems that remove that, that choice. Anyway, so I, I got to know a few of those. But um, Syste- systems, you mean like government systems that are in place now? Is that what I'm, I'm talking about having to pay a tax. Exactly, yeah, right. <laughs> so we all have a responsibility to the world to question what we're doing day to day and is this going to help ourselves to freedom yeah. or am I, just going to, am I just doing what I need to do and if you're in a survival situation cool but, um, but if you can choose to do a job that might be slightly less paid or might have more value in it or whatever, whatever makes it hard for you to do that job if you know that's going to be beneficial to the community well then it's, uh, it's pretty simple what you need to do mm-hmm. and I met a lot of people that had that, that, had that definition in their, in their mind, they knew exactly what they're doing, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And th- this is interesting for me too, because I, I know you, pr- you pretty much knew all this stuff, but you didn't have it codified, like you didn't have the names for, for all the ideas, but you knew, you knew it all naturally. You knew, you knew that like when you started your business, you just went out into the street and started selling. And that, <laughs> and that uh, spirit of entrepreneurialism and, and freedom, that, well, people don't have so much in Australia, but, but you understood it. You, you find a couple hundred of those people and put them in a room 
that, that's all we had. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was, there was no way you were going away from that experience with nothing. Mm. I tried to bring it down to um, what exactly could I compare it to mm. as, like, as an experience. And I think it's pretty common that two experiences people have is that first after party they have at school, mm. you know, maybe the first time they get wasted or loaded or, or whatever, the first trip out, the first time they have sex, these are the events that change your life. <laughs> Acapulco's gone on that list. <laughs> this is a game yeah. changer. Yeah. And we're charged. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've never been to an event like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I thought was cool, the first day we met a dude um, named Christoph Hoyerman, and he's, he's a guy from Germany. He's working on an idea called uh, Bit, Bit Nation, uh, which is an idea, they call it Governance 2.0. So it's an, an idea about replacing government services using blockchain technology, the same technology that Bitcoin uses. So you can do stuff like registration of, of property deeds um, without using a government service. And it's going to be mostly, for the most part, it will be free. So he gives the example of, say, um, a, a guy in, in the favelas uh, of Rio de Janeiro uh, he's owned a place or he's, he's been living in a house for, for three or five years, but there's no way he can prove it. So if, if something, something bad happens, the, the tr tropa liche or, or the, the government comes in and says, no, this isn't your house anymore, he won't have any way to, to prove what, what his claim. Um, and so this is a this is a way to establish that kind of service. Uh, but the interesting thing was, I th I thought, well, this is a um, this guy. He's 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 well, he's obviously very sensible. Um, he's he's very rational. And I thought, uh, I better be careful what I say to him uh, because maybe if if I start talking about our previous episodes where we're talking about God or spirituality, morphic resonance, or all, all this. Uh, spiritual or somewhat spiritual stuff he he might dismiss me as like a a kooky hippie woo woo type dude he asked me which which religions do you mention in the uh, podcast about god and i said uh one one of them which is important to me is taoism and he said oh really i'm i'm also a taoist and he, and he pulled out a, a yin yang uh, from his necklace and I was like whoa okay uh, later on Facebook I saw him write uh, I'm so glad to know I'm not the only market anarchist who thinks more in terms of holism uh, who doesn't just re reduce things to their elements or is just a, a pure materialist he wrote something like that and I was like this is cool because um, there's yeah I did expect more people to be um, materialist um, in, in terms of philosophical materialism, like only believing that uh, things, that, that physical matter is what exists. But um, all of these people are asking the questions, you know, all of these people have had some kind of spiritual experience, whether it's, it's psychedelic or through meditation, you know, yoga, all, all these types of things, and they make them question. There's very open-minded people, and, and they say, what is this? What, what is this, and what does this mean? And those are beautiful questions. He was a very smooth operator. <laughs> he was one of the first guys that we spoke to. Yeah. And, and to find out that he just jumped on a plane and came over from Germany where he's talking mm -hmm. about you know, the, the functionality of BitNation. Yeah. I mean, I was, clue, I, I, was, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to register my kids on BitNation. <laughs> yeah. I don't want them to have a birth certificate. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's cool. You can put your property and all that in there because the, the officers that do this now are, are the same officers that also seem to bend the rules when they need to. Mm. So, you know, you put it in the blockchain, it's there open source for everyone to see yeah. whenever somebody wants to build a system to report it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's there and you're done. You're covered. Mm. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden you're, you've got a little concrete behind you. Mm. So, and, and he, he, we're going to, I want to interview him. He's yeah. going to come and dinner with us next week. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming to Guadalajara for a few days. So we'll, go, we'll grab him and, and grill him about that. It should be interesting. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, I was, really, I was really looking forward to yeah. getting in touch with Jose Rodriguez, the, mm-hmm. the CEO of Unisend, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is one of the up-and-coming um, Bitcoin exchanges with, here in Mexico. I originally came across him because I saw his interview with Max Kaiser, where he was very open with publicly announcing the situation with the Mexican peso. Mm-hmm. His, his interactions with the Mexican bank, which are very cooperative, he mentioned, uh, they're they haven't uh, restricted Bitcoin. They haven't tried regulating Bitcoin. They're happy to work with it. And he even mentioned, um, you know, they're interested in in their own way of connecting the peso to a to a digital currency. Or you know, that's all open for now. But uh, I mean, to find a government that is open to talking about it, that's, that's pretty cool. And I know the the Mexican the the Bank of Mexico has been very helpful with helping other exchanges connect to banks to allow. You know the flow of pesos into a uh, into a cryptocurrency through Bitcoin. So I, I wanted to have a good. I want to sit down and have a chat with him. He I saw him for like five minutes. We shook hands. He was you know it was a cool interaction. He tried challenge challenge me to a game of rugby. <laughs> I, I said I haven't played in a while. I've got to stretch my knees. But he was just straight up like, "Hey, my name is. What are we gonna do?" Mm-hmm. Like not even, he didn't even ask me like you know what what I'm working on or you know why I need to talk to him. He was able to uh, just to pass on, um, you know obviously uh, I can help you with something if there is let's do it. So I, have, I had a brief chat with him about writing my thesis and, and trying to work out a, a model for uh, working network effect on on a cryptocurrency. And uh, you know he in his talk he mentioned that they originally started in in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And they, the majority of their work is there now. They've moved back to Mexico, where he's, uh, he's running the show here. But they're also, in the near future, going to Brazil, where they're going to do it. And they said, you know, Brazil's a bigger market than Mexico. For Unisend, Brazil's going to be amazing. So I wouldn't mind getting some data between the three countries and maybe their adoption or something. See how, see how fast or how valuable the people are finding it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. We'll work something out. Yeah. Plug that right into your thesis. So what's Unisend about? Uh, Unisend allows uh, it, it allows you to to send money um, in any any currency through uh, through a website to a, a text message or a code to someone else that has a Unisend account, and you're able to go to a bank commerce uh, bank ATM here in Mexico, put the code in, and it's going to give you money straight away. It's like that mm-hmm. transaction of money. The person. I'm not sure what level you need an account because obviously you need the app on your phone or the ability to get a text message to your phone. Yeah. But um, just being able to send money, which I know in Mexico, is, it's quite heavily, um, there's a lot of people in the USA working and sending money back to families in Mexico. Yeah. So yeah. allowing that liberation through Bitcoin and, and just having a, a number that you can go to an ATM and get money out comfortably, yeah. legally, yeah. and cheap. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a good thing going on here yeah <laughs> totally yeah. Uh, I'm getting tingly I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, that's great. And yeah, that's a, that's a kind of uh, technology which um, they'd be excited seeing in other developing countries like all over Africa where there's migrant farmers, uh, you know, when they can send, when they can remit money more easily all across Africa, as, a, as opposed to struggle to, to use things like M-Pesa, uh, which isn't quite uh, keeping up technologically. Uh, Bitcoin already has the potential to do what M-Pesa is aspiring to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're taking that access to money and linking that to, to a direct ability to be able to access something you need mm. for yourself, for your family. Like money's, money's the, the tick of approval when you're trying to do a transaction. And just thinking of the Mexican experience here, uh, when you set up a business, you can only really, unless you're playing big, you can only really send or sell to the local community. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I think even uh, even like postal services, it's not adopted. Like you don't do internet shopping here in Mexico. A lot of it's you go to the markets and you're trading cash. But when when these same people are able to to jump that, and all of a sudden they're selling to to other communities or receiving money from family in the U.S. Like we just mentioned, then all of a sudden there's like other avenues of cash flow coming in that's going to circulate at the bottom level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the markets, so this money is going to come straight into families yep. that need this money to, like, I, I could say just on that, if we're talking about fees being, being removed, mm-hmm. you're going to have families that are going to receive 10% more value. Yeah. This and maybe, maybe as much as that 30 or 40%. It could be. Because um, Western Union is, like, if you're sending a small amount with Western Union, the fees are nuts. Uh, like, I, I think it's, it's only when you're sending about $100 when the fee drops down to about 10, 10%. So, <laughs> so, so when well, you've only got yeah. 50 bucks after your week of work because you've been mowing lawns and painting cars all week, mm. um, you, you, cop, you cop the big fee. Yeah. And you, know, yeah. you, you might pay 20% because out of your $50, only 40 got here. Yeah, yeah. And that, that extra, you know, that extra 100 pesos, 120, 150 pesos make a big difference to a Mexican family, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I talked to uh, Juan Galt for, for a while. Um, so he's, he's working on this project called the SuperNet. And this is a way of linking all these uh, different cryptocurrencies and, and cryptocurrency platforms together. Uh, so one example that he gave was uh, if you want to buy something anonymously over the internet, well, maybe you can just, w- with, a, with a few clicks, send it through about five different forms of anonymizing uh, so there's no way it can be traced back to you. Yep. Uh, and that could be very cool. There's a, there's a lot of potential there um, to, well, <laughs> to evade the government so we don't have to worry about the, the feds being on our asses for doing some for violating some arbitrary law i i really like that there's more than one blockchain that's going to be involved in this level of encryption mm. like we've been uh, we also heard there's a few um a few ideas on how you know different blockchain attacks but what this is good for like it just jumps all that like irrespective of one blockchain getting attacked mm. or getting accessed or whatever because it's because of the encryption's gone across several blockchains or in between, like they, they mentioned, you know, you could send a, a Bitcoin, a transaction or whatever, it, it can pass through, you know, it might pass through dark coin and then it goes across a counterparty coin or something and then it comes back to Bitcoin and jumps in the other end. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, this is so simple. Mm-hmm. Why didn't, you know, why, is, why wasn't this solution just more common maybe 
you know, when, when anonymity was an issue in the first place, which, which will always be. So it's like, why, why didn't it just, why wasn't there from the beginning? But, uh, and then, then I, got this, I got like the buses after the attack um, in the Batman movie where uh, the Joker robs the bank. And he, okay. just, he just cruises bus out in the line of many, many buses. No one knows which one was his. And it's like, that's the way I saw the blockchain. It's like, you send out your package, you know, your, your transaction. Right. And it just gets blended in all the transactions. It's going in all different doors. And it's like, you know what? Maybe yeah. it's a little extra load to the, to the blockchain. But when you go across several blockchains, it will find a shortcut and it will be efficient. So that's something I didn't, I didn't quite get. I didn't understand until, until they told me on the weekend. <laughs> and I thought, genius, okay, you know, I could have thought of that. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. He, he also brought up uh, Ethereum. So he mentioned Ethereum um, and it's, I believe that the aspiration or the idea is that they're going to make a Turing complete scripting language, which, which means that basically uh, the, the Ethereum scripting language can do anything that, that a computer can do, more or less. Uh, so, so that means that you can have like you, you send your bitcoins in, into Ethereum, and Ethereum um, sorts, sorts the whole thing out. Maybe arranges it, distributes it, uh, like maybe some kind of automated royalty distribu- distribution system or, or something like that, which uh, we we might end up using for, uh, uh, for for paying our contributors to to our YouTube channel. Or, you know, we could we could do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, another technology. I don't, I don't think there was anyone there um, officially representing it, but but I, I want to mention this because it's important. Uh, Made Safe. You you know much about Made Safe? They uh, yeah, collective uh, storage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's a decentralized storage system. So say uh, you have a, a lot of people join the MadeSafe network. Say you allocate about 10 gigabytes of hard drive space to the network. Then uh, whenever somebody saves data, it's going to cut it into tiny little pieces, send out about five of them, um, five copies of each piece all over the world, uh, very strongly encrypted, and a few of them will, will arrive on your hard drive. And likewise, when you want to save something and store something on this, on this distributed cloud, uh, it will be spread out across all, all of these computers. And so, so my, uh, what I imagine in the future is you'll, you'll have an operating system which is based on MadeSafe, and you could be, you know, say you, uh, I log out of my computer here in Mexico, go down to Ecuador and log into my friend's console, type in my name and password, and it comes up with my desktop, my my background, all my icons on there, all my data is on there, and then then I can um, I can access it from there without even having to uh, to carry any physical device. So it's this very futuristic image. Just, the only issue might be which keyboard you're using, hmm. because. <laughs> you're talking about upgrading keyboards and things. Right, if, you, if your friend plugs in a Dvorak keyboard and you're trying to touch type in your password. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we, we, we can figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's also interesting because uh, with, the, with the internet protocol, with the, the, the HTTP protocol as it is at the moment, uh, if, if you 
like basically there's no way to avoid denial of service attacks the way the protocol is structured it's it's just a fact it's an it's a natural conclusion that um, anybody who sends a bunch of requests for data is going to be able to bring down your site. The only question is how many are they going to have to send and how frequently. But with MadeSafe, it's set up differently because it means that the more requests for data there are, the more copies of the data there are. And so that cha that changes things. That means uh, we don't have to worry about denial of service attacks anymore i guess anonymous might be put out of uh commission for a while <laughs> on that front at least i, I want to jump back to uh ethereum yeah because it's kind of it's like a big it's a big jump too mm. when you're talking about having a uh, full toning language mm. which means it's, it's essentially a Tur turing turing a full Al alan turing but what does that mean uh, okay, so so before computers were commonplace, Alan Turing came up with a sort of uh, definition of of a computer uh, called a, a Turing machine, uh, and it basically means that this this device can uh, can can manipulate data and it can move through and select different data. Uh, so it's like a full access language. I mean, we can start building anything on top of. Yes. Yes. As if the blockchain is the computer. More, more or less. Uh, not, not, not entirely, because, I mean, not the blockchain. Like, there might be data in the blockchain, which is actually a script. Yeah. You read the script, miners and, and, and the other computers on the network process that script and tell it what to do with the Bitcoins or what to do with the uh, Ethereum coins or what have you. So it's like the RAM of a supercomputer. Uh, well, it's not just the RAM. It's the, it's the programming language. It's the scripting language, so it's a, yeah. It tells you, yeah. It it tells it what to do. Okay, no, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I knew it could do, and it's going to do everything. Yeah, but um, I know you looked into it, so I wanted to hear what it was. Yeah, well, that's a, that's just one I heard out of the out of the mouth of Juan Galt, and yeah, I mean, with the, like with Bitcoin itself. I don't think anybody's set this up yet, but Bitcoin already has the potential for uh, smart contracts, but it's just like a, a, a very simple script. Like it's, it says, if this condition is complete, for example, it'll say, if the paradiseparadox.com uh, reaches episode 100, then give Aaron battle, or that is send, send this address one Bitcoin, and it, and it just sends it right through. Just on that, we do have uh, our Bitcoin address up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we assure you all donations we rolled back into producing a higher quality show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joby. Joby Wakes. Who was that guy? <laughs> Never yes. heard of him in my life. He jumps up on stage. He's like seven foot. And He's a powerhouse of a man. There's no script. Constant laughing. Like um, had the whole room just buzzing. <laughs> He, uh, he's, he's working on some exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, almost too good to be true. Mm. Uh, I, I did, as soon as I had a chance, I saw him open, and I was like, I'm going to hit him up. I need to ask him some questions. He is opening out his, his it appears that this company that he's working with or on is mm. going to allow everyone to eventually, or well, this could be stage one, to get in off the grid in regard to your electricity. Yeah. So, 
He's got uh, what the, the example uh, Kurt mentioned in the last video, but it's basically a, a financing plan where similar to phones, where you, you receive your phone upfront, no, no cost, mm. but you have a plan. Mm. Where he's looking after that with houses and solar panels, he mentioned battery, battery stacks or... Yeah, so ba battery stacks from uh, Solar City, Elon Musk's cousin's uh, company, breakthrough technology and batteries, because of this, the storage capacity of the batteries, you can have a, a wall of batteries in your home, store the excess solar energy when it's not being used, and that means solar and energy is a lot more useful because it doesn't have to be immediately coming from the sun. It, it, can, be, it can hang out for a while before you use it. Yeah, but I mean, even, that, even that's not really a big issue because now the new solar panels you mentioned absorb UV light. So it, does, it can be overcast and it's able to absorb direct energy. Like it's not even about being in the sun anymore. It's just about having them in the light or being, having them on the roof, which I'm assuming that's where you, that's where you put them. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I had to ask him like, you know, how, how is this working? Like, do you seriously got enough? Like, are, are we going to, we just, because he mentioned a whole, um, he, he went into the, he went into it and how we're going to, how he's going to do distribute and sales and a few different things like that. But I think the adoption of this deal is going to be so big, I'm not sure if he's ready for how many people are going to jump on board. Because mm -hmm. I said, you're going to need thousands of salespeople. Yeah. Like, this is, like, the US is huge. And if it, if it kicks off, then, you know, why, why stop there? Mm -hmm. I mean, Australia already went through their phase where government was issuing uh, subsidies for putting solar panels on your house. Yeah, I think they've cut that out now. Yeah, well, well if people are asking for it, they better do it again. <laughs> Otherwise, Joby's going to rock up there and do it for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's great because at the moment, say your your bill might be a hundred dollars a month, and he comes in and says, "All right, well, I'm going to cut that in half. Uh, like you're going to be paying us fifty dollars a month for your electricity service, uh, so you save money. Uh, we make money on selling you the solar panels, and forget the electricity company. That's you know that's the people who lose out in this situation because uh, you're going to be having your your own electricity source. And after about five or ten years." Uh, making these regular payments, you pay off the device completely, and then you have this, you know, this beautiful solar panel receiving this uh, virtually free energy, or, you know, very cheap energy uh, from the sun. With the option to disconnect yeah. and just run free, yeah. or have the electricity company pay you to keep up their infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, most people, by what I, what I hear, are pretty going to receive more electricity than what they're going to use, especially if they've got a stack in their garage holding, like, I don't know how much electricity, but mm. these, if you can get Tesla cars to run from one side of the country to the other, mm. only with a few charges, I'm sure you can charge a battery stack well. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, that, I, I had to ask him, I had to ask him, like, is that for real? <laughs> he told me the whole thing, his structure and everything, and, and like, man, it, it's solid. Mm. Like you, know, you know what he's talking about. Yeah, the combinations of these few technologies uh, and the, these few, few uh, methods of distribu distribution uh, could change the world's dependence on oil. Well, it could re reduce it significantly in just a few years. Uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. Well, I want to get a house in the mountains. I want to see, I want, I want to see the price of this technology drop so that I can just get as far enough away from everyone as I can mm -hmm. and just uh, live like Wolverine. <laughs> Plus some kids. 
It's like Wolverine. I'm not sure if I've seen that movie. Which which one uh, are you referring to? He escapes. I don't know. He's um, a concentration camp. The, the lab or wherever that you know gave him the upgrades. Okay. And he's in the the woods, mountains of Canada, uh, with his uh, undercover girlfriend, uh, and uh, and he's just hanging out with his axe, just doing the man thing. <laughs> okay. Why do you need an axe when when you have adamantium claws? One of the last things I noticed, like something that, um, away from the speakers and uh, you know, just the, the fun that we had, mm. I found myself falling into a very similar conversation quite a, quite a, bit, of, uh, quite a bit with different people that I think are moving here. Yep. Like it was impressive the amount of, the amount of anarchists that are, that are looking to move to Mexico, mm-hmm. or at least just here on an extended holiday to see you know, what's gonna work before they move to looking at some other country. Um, so there's a lot of talk of buying property and different visas and um, someone mentioned like a retiree visa which looked very cool um, but the, the conversation I had with that with someone in particular was about bringing a family down and being concerned about the culture and the language it's like you know I can't even speak Spanish how am I going to everyone does it and we all act like it's so cool and so easy but it's, it's quite daunting when you get to a country and you can't speak the language yeah. More so, they look at you just blank, like, you're trying, but we're not giving you nothing until you tell me what you want. <laughs> well, one, one thing on that point, like the, um, of course, uh, one app which came up is, uh, is Duolingo, which is very good. You can get that on Android or iPhone, and that will help you learn a lot of vocabulary and sentence structure. Also, I, I always recommend uh, Michelle Thomas. Uh, is a very good audio course uh, for you to start learning a language and it'll point out the the um, similarities between English and Spanish so you can pick it up very quickly or there's also Pimsleur which is is very good but um, it's it's a bit slower um, yeah well with that just that, that language I think mm. we forget that 70% of the common language is body language mm. so irrespective yeah. of you know whether you can say the words or pronunciation or just being a bit nervous about all that yep like the, you need to learn the language, mm. the street language, mm. the way the way you walk, the way you lean when you're waiting for something, mm. the way you stand when you've ordered something and you're waiting for it to turn up. Because you know we're in Mexico, everything's on Mexican time. Yeah. And you know <laughs> I even went, I even bought a few things on the way over here, and it's like it's cool. You're hanging there, the system's slow. They wander over to pick up what you want. They're wrapping it in the Mexican style. Like it's it's a nice way to live, but you can't be uncomfortable in between these gaps where you're not sure what's happening. Mm. So well, you, you're always going to be a bit uncomfortable, but uh, yeah, don't make it hard on yourself. <laughs> don't make it hard on yourself. So I mean, you said you tried a few things. I mean, we've been here at this stage maybe three, going on four months now, yeah. roughly, and and you know other trips beforehand. But what have you picked up? Yeah, so I, I remember months ago on Tim Ferriss's website, I, re- I read a post uh, where a dude was talking about learning languages, and he mentioned when he was l- learning Arabic in Egypt, uh, nobody would want to talk to him in Arabic. They would all go off and start talking English, even when he asked them for directions in Arabic. Um, so what he did was he started dressing more l- like an Egyptian. Uh, he, he started wearing the clothes, uh, even even uh, Muslim-type dress, he, and he started 
they're paying attention to their body language, especially in the way they walk, uh, because that's like a, a, a key signal of whether you actually fit in there or not. And you can, like, if you watch people walk in the street, you can pick up uh, who's European and who, who's American, like, almost instantly. Yes. Yeah, it's so easy. Once you hear it stands out, but just the clothes, you know, I've been dressing like a cowboy for months. I love it. <laughs> when I can find boots my size, then I'm, then I'm hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So you can, you can watch people on the street and imitate them. And what this fellow said in the article, uh, we'll put the link in the description there. Um, he, he said that after a few months of imitating the way people walked, people would start coming up to him and asking for directions. And I, I had the same experience, actually, when I, when I was focusing on this, people would start asking me for directions as if I was a local. Yeah, and it's a very cumulative effect. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, you're not, when you're not feeling the sting of kids you know, pulling a mum going, look at this guy, mm-hmm. then, uh, then you, know, you kind of feel the flow. And then, you know, you almost get to be, you know, invisible. You get comfortable and, you know, you're moving around. And uh, we mentioned that it'd be cool to share more of those ideas with you. So, you know, yeah. let, let us get, uh, let's get some notes together on different things that we do and we've learned and, uh, and share them with you guys. Yeah, but one basic thing is like the handshake, like it goes like this, you slap the hands together and then you fist bump. Uh, so that's, a, that's like a very simple signal to indicate that on some level you understand the culture here. Yeah, it's like you, if, you do so, if you do that to someone um, and they don't expect it, then they feel like they let you down. Mm. Like they, they feel like, oh, okay, obviously this, you know, here I am judging this guy for not being Mexican enough, yet he's as Mexican as all of us. <laughs> and I mean, or if you pull it off and they're cool with it, then they're probably likely to give you a good seat. They're going to make sure that you're comfortable. You know what I mean? They're going to attend you as if, you know, your family. Whereas if you act like a tourist, then you're a tourist. You're going to pay double. You're going to sit at the back. You're going to have the speakers in your head. It's like, yeah, it's just part of the game. <laughs> so an interesting thing happened on our ta- last taxi ride back to the hotel there in Acapulco. Complete surprise. I, I was just happy to get home. Actually, I thought they were going to mug us because there was two guys in the front of this taxi. Yeah. And we just, we just jumped in like, you're going to give us a good price? Cool, let's go. <laughs> I think they changed the price when we arrived, actually, because I, I don't remember what price they told us originally. I'm I think they sure bumped they... it up from 40 to 60. But... I, I thought they were going to yeah. take us for free at one point. Like, I, I, just, I was hoping to get a free ride. But yeah. they, they, they wouldn't accept that I was Australian. They, they just wouldn't. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it was. What I, I, didn't even, I didn't even really remember what I said. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I, I found it difficult to follow the conversation at six in the morning with this, this uh, guy bumping the stereo and, and, and uh, fluorescent lights in the front and everything. Uh, but he was like, ah, you're not Australian, Gwei. You're eres Acapulqueño. Like, you're, you're from Acapulco for sure, man. <laughs> I, just, I just played cool. I said, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> no, actually, I tried telling him that I wasn't. But anyway, like, it was, it was a cool, it was, it was a cool way to say, we had a solid conversation. We gave them business cards. They're going to watch our podcast. <laughs> like, uh, it was, uh, that was cool. They actually got us thinking that we should start presenting this in Spanish because, yeah. 
I feel like there's a hunger for information here in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Like Mexican people are very open-minded. They don't really have any prejudices. And yeah, the the other day on the beach, I was talking talking to this uh, this young lady Priscilla that I met, and uh, I I started telling her how about in Australia when I tell people um, about the these libertarian or anarchist ideas, they get very defensive. But I, I said to her, like Mexicans don't have that prejudice. Like I can say to you. This, this, you know, these things are extremely obvious. Uh, the day is light, the night is dark, taxation is theft. And she said, "Yeah, of course, of course, a hundred percent. Like that, that requires zero explanation." <laughs> but it's not, it's not in your frontal lobe. Like it's not hanging over your eyes all the time. Like right. we're we're so, we're so in the the wheel of, you know, what government does to us. Mm. Like we, we need to realize that, uh, that there's another way. Mm-hmm. And I think the Mexican yeah. people are just like, yeah, okay, you know, the government's going to keep robbing us. Yeah, it, we, you know, we're going to get paid less every year. Yeah, everything's going to keep going up. Mm-hmm. But no one takes responsibility and says, you know, what can we do? Mm-hmm. It's like that, um, that question isn't there. Mm-hmm. But let's, right. let's put the full stop in. Yeah, let's, yeah. Turn it, let's turn it on. Yeah, all, all we have, to, like all of the all of the ideas together, we just have to point them in one direction, and, and uh, Mexicans will all say, "Oh, hang on, government's shit. Let's try something else." <laughs> yeah, I was even thinking of just just telling them about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 penetration of information in English of Bitcoin is is so vast. I mean, there's information from like the last five years. But in Mexico, it's like, what, one year old mm. or less. People don't, people don't know what it is. Mm. Anyway, we've got, the, we've got the conference coming up in a couple of weeks, so a couple of months. I, I got to have a look. I want to be involved. I need, I need to be part of this. Yeah. So we're expecting a, to have a Bitcoin conference somewhere around Guadalajara. Yeah. So, um, yeah, final note. I just wanted to say thanks for thanks to Jeff Bowick and also thanks to Sarah Z. I don't actually know her last name, but <laughs> and Matt Davis. Um, these people did, did a lot putting together this event and, uh, and arranging and making all, sure it all ran smoothly. Uh, so that was all very cool. Yeah, 100%. Big thank you to Sarah and Mac. Yeah. They were, they were always there in the morning telling everyone where to go. Yeah. But just, uh, just thanks to everyone that went. Mm. Like, it, it was the way it was because you went there. Mm. So uh, I'll see you next year and uh, bring your brother or sister so we can expand the, the family. <laughs> Pick up a Mexican girl on the way and tell her tell you're going to open her mind a little bit. <laughs> She'll be into it. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried that line before. All right. <laughs> Maybe you should. It'd be cool. Cool. All right. So press like, press subscribe, uh, comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you're coming next year because we want to see you. And subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, visit us www.theparadiseparadox.com uh, find us on facebook and we love you nailed it peace peace <laughs>